0: this is a marvelous story. But remember, we are not here today simply to learn a few interesting lessons from the life of David. We're looking through this story so that we can understand what it really means to be a Christian, what it means to come to Jesus Christ.
1: Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, you're right, there are some great lessons to be learned from this story of David and Saul. But in the end, it's all about the life-changing power of the gospel and beginning a relationship with Christ. Yeah, the
0: New Testament very specifically says that the Old Testament stories were written for us. And so there's much more than simply learning some general principles about life. These stories are given to us so that we may grasp and understand what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to live life for his glory and to wage this battle against sin. And the story that we're looking at today is wonderful because it tells us how God can transform uh, people who are bitter, distressed, and in debt and use people like that as uh, these were the the folks who became David's mighty men through a transformation that came by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, God's in the business of making that same transformation
1: today. And we're going to see how he did that in the lives of these people and what that means for us today. So join us, if you can, in the first book of Samuel 22 as we continue our message Bitter, Distressed and in Debt. Here's Pastor Colin.
0: We are not here today simply to learn a few interesting lessons from the life Of David. We're looking through this story so that we can understand what it really means to be a Christian, what it means to come to Jesus Christ. And the people who come to Jesus Christ, here's what it really means to be a Christian. Uh, People who come to Christ are like the people who came to David. Uh, These folks knew that they needed David, and people who come to Jesus are those who know that we need him. We need him because he's the only hope from the tyranny of sin that brings blight and devastation to our lives. People who come to Jesus Christ are people who know that they are sunk, sin has sunk them in a debt to God that we can never pay, that we are completely and utterly hopeless in our own position before God. People who come to Jesus Christ are people who have tasted how bitter sin is. That though it seems like such attractive fruit, it leaves you with a sense of emptiness and of guilt and of shame. And you say, if only there was a way to have my life washed clean, to to have a new start, to make a whole new beginning. People like that come to Jesus Christ bitter, distressed, and in debt. We come to Jesus Christ because our only hope lies in a new king and in a new kingdom. Without him, there's no other hope. Now, now you've seen how looking through the story of David takes us immediately to the story of Jesus. Let me just fill out briefly here the rest of this profile for you. You'll see it's very clear. People who come to Jesus Christ, true Christians, are people who've discovered that they need him. People who come to Jesus Christ, people who are true Christians, are people who believe in him. And just think of how this flows directly out of the story of these folks who came in the cave to David. When they gathered to David, it was, of course, an all-or-nothing decision. Gathering to David meant defecting from Saul. And that was a, you know, burn your bridges, burn your boats kind of a decision. Any friend of David is, by definition, an enemy of Saul. And so this was not a decision that any of these men could make lightly. Once they had gathered to David... There could be no going back. But what other hope did they have? They're bitter, distressed. They're in debt. They're powerless against these armies of Saul that are coming at will and making these endless demands. And so they throw in their lot with the outcast. And they put their trust in him. And here's their position as they come to the cave and they pledge their commitment to David. They'll stand with David. They'll fight for David. David is their hope. If David succeeds, there's the best of futures for them. And if David should fail, they have no other hope. Now, folks, That is exactly the position of a Christian. Christian is a person who has come to the conclusion that just like these folks staked everything on all their hope on David, believing that he was the Lord's anointed and committing themselves to him, So a Christian is a person who, believing that Jesus Christ is the Lord's anointed, to whom David was all along appointing, have staked all our hope and put all our trust on him so that his glory will be our glory, but everything depends on him, and there is no other hope without him. And a Christian is a person who knows, because Jesus has never hidden this from any of his followers, there is always a cost in gathering to this king. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you become a Christian, expect that this will be the most costly decision of your life. It will radically impact the use of your time, the use of your money. It will be transforming in terms of your priorities. It will shoot to bits the stuff about convenience and comfort and what I'm looking for in terms of the next stage of life. This is going to be all of my dreams. It'll shoot that to bits. And if it doesn't, how can you claim to be a follower of Jesus? How can you claim it? No, those who have come to Jesus Christ are like those who came to David. They're laying everything on the line. If you succeed, it's glory for us. And if you go down, we go down with you. The old life is behind us. It was hopeless anyway. There was nothing in it for us. We were bitter and distressed and in debt. We're coming to you and we're hanging everything on you. That's what it means to be a Christian. And I'm asking you then, what kind of Christian are you? They need him. They believe in him. Do you remember at one time in the ministry of Jesus, there are huge crowds following him. John chapter 6, Jesus begins to teach them. And when they begin to hear what it's really going to be like to be a follower of Jesus, the vast majority of them, They move away. Then Jesus turns to his disciples, to the twelve, and he says, Are you going to leave me too? And do you remember what Peter said? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You're the Lord's anointed. You're the one to whom David was pointing. And like those who came, bitter, distressed, and in debt to David, we are clinging for life to you. Only you have the words of eternal life. Our life is in you. To whom else shall we go? What's a real Christian? What does it look like to come to Jesus Christ? It means you've come to the conclusion that you absolutely need him, and that without him you have no hope at all. It means that you have come to believe him, that he is the Lord's anointed, and that you will stand with him because he is the one anointed by God. And then there's a third thing, and it's so clear here. I just don't want you to miss it. How would you describe a a true Christian? Well, this comes right out of David's mighty men. They submit to him. Notice what it says, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to David and he became, notice the word, commander over them, commander over them. So there's nothing here that's like some of the casual Christianity that is widely offered and propagated under the name of cool today. You know, this wasn't, hey, wouldn't it be great to go and hang out in a cave with David? No, this is people who know that it may cost them their lives. And David becomes their commander. This isn't some kind of cool retreat from uh, the harsh realities of life. This is moving away from the beauty of the farm to live in a cave to live under constant threat of attack and to enter a new way of life that is going to be marked because these are David's fighting men, so it's going to be marked by discipline, it's going to be marked by training, and it's going to be marked by sheer hard work. That's what they're in for. And they know it. When they pledge their loyalty to David, de facto, David becomes their commander. And it's under his rule. It's under his command that the lives of this motley crew are completely and utterly transformed. Remember this, and I take it straight from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. The only way to know Jesus Christ as Savior is to receive him as Lord. The only way to know Jesus Christ as Savior is to receive him as Lord. If you've got this idea somewhere in your head that you can have Jesus as your Savior for 90% of your life and, and maybe a little bit somewhere you'll, you'll make Him Lord for a few days, you never got that from the Bible. Forget it. He is only Savior because He's Lord. That's why, by the way, when we teach the Gospel in the orchard, the way we most commonly like to do it is to say, it's Lord, sin, Savior, faith. This is not some kind of Jesus who's saying, you know, would you like to have me in your heart? There is a sovereign Lord who lays claim to your life, whoever you are, unconditionally. And you're absolutely in the wrong place before him because your life is marked by sin like the life of every other person is marked by sin. And therefore there is a Savior. You can come and you can put your faith and your trust in him and he'll reconcile you to God and deliver you from the wrath that otherwise would be your portion for all eternity. I mean, there's weight in this. We're talking about eternal realities. Otherwise, we might as well forget about Christianity altogether. You come into the world of the Bible, we're talking about more than life and death. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about ultimate realities with which you dare not become trivial. So they submit to him. And you remember how um, Jesus said to the disciples, how beautifully he said this? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you something. You become my follower, you get submitted to me, I'll transform your life. He doesn't say, make something of your life and then you can come and follow me. He says, follow me, and I'll make something of your life. I'll make you a whole new and a different kind of person. But the way that it will happen, the transformation is going to happen as you come under the sovereign rule of your commander, Jesus Christ. And a Christian is very simply a person who is under the command of God. The the word of Christ that is given to us in the scripture is our rule of life. So, if you think of the Bible simply as a, a devotional book, you know, a book where, you know, I should read the Bible because I'll get some nice uh, thought for the day and it'll inspire me and warm my soul, a, bit, a little bit like, you know, chicken soup for the soul, you know, sort of warm me up and all of that kind of stuff. You haven't understood what the Bible is. The Bible is the Word of God, it is the Word, the instruction of the King, it's your commander giving to you instructions for daily life, which is why it is a safe rule of life to open the Bible every day and to do it not with the sense of, well, what would be a nice thought to keep me warm and and cozy today, but to say, Lord, what would you have me to do today? And what you will find is that the Bible, the Word of God, the very Word and the commands of our King It's like a sharp-edged sword, the Bible says. It's like a fire. It's like a hammer. And it sometimes rebukes us, and it sometimes corrects us, and it always trains us in righteousness. In other words, it's the way that God shows us what the right way to go is through the Bible. How will you know the right way to be living from day to day apart from the Bible? And so the experience of a real Christian reading the Bible regularly is to say, if this is what the king says, I ought to change you' ought to say Lord have mercy on me and help me to do what you've said here today because here are the words of the King
1: You're listening to open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and today's message bitter distressed and in debt the story of David and Samuel from 1 Samuel chapter 22 or so if you can grab a Bible and join us in that passage. And if you ever miss any of the messages or if you want to go back and listen again, you can always do that by going online to our website. That's at uk. There you can download any of the previous messages or stream them directly from the website. Now back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin.
0: What does it mean to be a real Christian? You know you need him. You have no hope without him. You come to believe in him, the anointed Son of God, on whom all your hopes in life and for eternity depend. You've come to submit to him because he is the king. You have placed yourself under his command, and as you place yourself under his rule in your life, that is what is going to be transforming to your life. Please don't pretend you're a Christian if that's not where you're ready to be. And then one more thing just very briefly, and it's this. These folks who came to David, they not only needed him, believed in him, and submitted to him, they loved him. They really loved him. And that, of course, is true of everyone who comes to Christ. In fact, the people who came to David stayed loyal to him for the rest of their lives. And in the last couple of minutes to turn to another cross-reference is something that I would tell other people never to do, but I'm going to do it myself. Second Samuel chapter 23. Just turn over there in these last moments. Second Samuel chapter 23. We have the last words of David, and they're words of thanksgiving and their words of praise to God. And then after that, we have after the last words of David being recorded in that chapter, we have the names of his mighty men. And verse 8 says, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And the first of them is unpronounceable, and it is therefore there for you on the screen. But you'll see the list goes on, and uh, the names one after another. And then you see in verse 13, it tells us that some of these were men who came to David when? When he was in the cave of Adullam. That's when they started. And they were with him right to the end of his life. And there's this great story that you can read and you'll really enjoy it about how when David was in the cave of Adullam, so right back in 1 Samuel chapter 22, though it's only recorded later, one day David said, oh, I wish I could have a drink from a well of water in Bethlehem. And he just sort of said, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to have that? And these guys loved him so much that three of them said, let's, do it. And Bethlehem was surrounded by a Philistine garrison. They had to fight their way in. They had to pull the water from the well. They had to fight their way back out again. They give the water to David. David David was completely overcome. There's a marvelous story of how feeling unworthy of their loyalty, he actually poured the water out as an offering of love to the Lord on behalf of all of them. There was nothing that was beyond what these folks would do for the sake of the king that they loved. And you picture this motley crew of discouraged and dispirited people, bitter, distressed, and in debt. What a bunch they were when they gathered around David. But by the end of 2 Samuel, you find them being named in Scripture's role of honor because these folks who felt that they were utterly powerless had become the king's mighty men. People who were once bitter, distressed, and in debt. And they are standing with the Lord's anointed. And they're advancing his cause. Oh, if that's the kind of devotion and love and loyalty that these men would carry to David with all of his faults, what kind of love, commitment, and loyalty should we be offering to our King who loved us and gave himself for us? A true Christian person who's come to see his or her need for Christ, to believe in him as the Lord's anointed, to submit to him as the ruler, commander, and Lord. Someone who's come to love him in such a way that he could never ask something that would be too much of us. That's a real Christian. The question is, does that describe you?
1: You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, and that's a powerful fourfold description of Christ's people. And maybe as you listen, you realise that description doesn't really apply to you. You wouldn't be considered one of Christ's people. But if you'd like to be, if you'd like to come to Jesus today, we would encourage you to act on that desire. Go and speak to a trusted Christian friend or family member, or go along to a local church. Perhaps you already go to church regularly or occasionally, speak to the minister or ask for prayer at the end of the service. Tell someone what's happened to you, and if you want, please email us and tell us about it. You can do that by going to the website, openthebible.org.uk, or you can email us directly at hello at openthebible.org.uk. Also on the website, you can now find Open the Bible Daily. These are a series of short reflections with a new one appearing on the website every day, written by Colin Smith and read by Sue McLeish. At Open the Bible, we're able to keep this programme on the station because our listeners support us financially. If that's something you feel able to do, we'd really appreciate a regular donation. And to say thank you, if you can set up a regular monthly donation of £5 or more, we would love to send you a copy of Nancy Moss Wolgemuth and Robert Wolgemuth's book You Can Trust God to Write Your Story, Embracing the Mysteries of Providence. And Colin, why should people read this book? Oh, two
0: reasons. Uh, The first is the people who've written it. Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth is a wonderful Bible teacher. Her husband, uh, Robert, a wonderful writer. They've collaborated together. You want to read the writings of people who walk closely with the Lord. And Robert and Nancy are marvelous examples of that. But then the second reason would be the focus of this book. It's all about how God writes your story and how you can trust God to write your story, especially in times where you feel, you know, what is actually happening in my life and what is it that God is doing? At one point in the book, Steve, Robert and Nancy give us Ten principles that help us to see how God is at work in the story of our lives. I haven't got time to give all ten, but here's a sample. God works in unexpected, unexplainable ways to accomplish his purpose. Then here's another one. What we see now is not the whole story. Another one. We can trust God to write the story of those we love. That's a really helpful encouragement. And here's another. The challenges we face now may be a part of God writing someone else's story. That's a really helpful insight. And wrapping it up, you can trust God to write your story. God is always writing a redemptive story in the lives of each of his children. And this book wonderfully explains how it's a joy to read and it will be a blessing and a help to all who read it.
1: For Colin Smith and Open the Bible, I'm David Pick and I hope you'll join us again next time. Open the Bible is supported on this station by our listeners. How important are the friends you hang out with, the church you go to, the books you read and the movies you watch? Find out next time on Open the Bible.